So, a couple weeks uh, passed, uh, but Gary, you're back in L.A. now. We should be back on I schedule. I have arrived, and oh, yeah. I'm staying in here, because it's like <laughs> Shaun of the Dead out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I go to the grocery store, and I'm like, is that guy... Ooh, I'm just going to... I'm not going to go to the grocery store. Never mind. You know? <laughs> I'll just start. <laughs> or I'll just get takeout from... Does In-N-Out do takeout? Oh, man. That that concept just occurred to me. You could still do drive through in and out couldn't you? Yeah, but In-N-Out is one of those... I This might be me being... I don't think you can be overly paranoid about something that, you know, lives yeah. are. <laughs> so I won't say I'm being overly paranoid, but I'm in that level of probably more so than some. And it's such a packed drive through that i'm like am i just sitting in other people's air right now you know everyone's got their air conditioning blasting so like i don't know if that that might be me overthinking it but at the same time like you do sit there for like 45 minutes especially now all the drive throughs are crazy and in and outs is already crazy so i imagine it's like an hour long yeah even when i came out to visit you uh last year yeah the drive through was ridiculous i can only imagine now that that's like the main option I really think that as much as I love an In-N-Out burger, compared especially to other drive through burgers, I do think that there's like a little bit of a, man, I sat through this, so I'm going to say this is the best burger in the country. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because like you get it and you take a bite and you're like, oh, I'm just going to... I was waiting yeah, so no, long I, for that. I love this. I love this. <laughs> no, it was of good. Course. It was really good. <laughs> totally not just slightly better McDonald's. Um, yeah. Uh, well, that's... Anyway, uh, well, I saw something we did talk about in the last episode that we were going to watch, and I did follow through on it. I've been so excited to talk to you. The Five Bloods. What a movie. Oh, my God. Especially as a movie. Right. What a movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? As you're watching it, you feel like, I don't know, there was a, a feeling of like, satisfaction that i've almost been like wishing i could get out of movies Mm. for a long time Mm. it's like the first movie i've seen in a couple years that felt like a dude made his movie yeah you know what i mean i don't know he just he did what he wanted to do and it created so many like visceral emotional moments oh yeah like things even just like conversations between two people didn't feel filtered through a studio. They felt no. like Spike Lee wrote this down and he didn't let anyone tell him he couldn't. You <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. And like entertaining and well-written on many levels. Like it's just a good adventure movie. Yeah. It's just yeah. like a no. great classic. It's so much like, fun to watch. Adult, like R-rated for sure. But adventure movie, just a fun. Yes. That's, I don't know how else to put it, but also like interwoven with, incredibly engaging like character arcs and character um you know storylines but also woven with like racial commentary and social commentary and it really historical commentary too like just oh Oh, man it really felt like to me he was making this movie because he's spike lee so he makes great movies anyway Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden there's you know protests happening over the entire world while he's finishing his movie right. this is kind of happening yeah i it almost felt like the movie was created with that like used as an emotional like i don't even know how to explain it like things that felt 
I don't even want to use the word, but you'll know what I mean when I say it, rushed, Mm. felt like we need to get through this because this is happening now in the world. So let's, you know, I don't know how to explain it, but it gave the movie a feeling of uh, importance. Oh, absolutely. You need to pay attention to this. You need to know that this is important and relevant. It gave it a feeling of relevance. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't know, it's so crazy when a movie's production is changed because of things not just like how its story is but the actual production of it felt like things had to change for instance uh this is kind of different but similar he spike lee went studio to studio to studio to studio trying to get money to make this movie and every single person turned him down Hmm. like basically we're like no like this <laughs> That's isn't so baffling to me. Spike Lee comes Spike to you Lee. with yes. this script. In in every interview I've seen with him, he looks at the interviewer like, "Yeah, it's baffling. Imagine being me. Imagine yeah. having successes on success after success, Academy Awards like less than two years ago, and then still like I'm going to Netflix to get my movie made. And even Netflix was like, "Yeah, but here we'll give you this much." Right. And he said that he didn't get nearly as much as he wanted to because he wanted this to be like a uh, Martin Scorsese Irishman, like sure. a epic thing, like this magnum opus of his career. So he realized that he could use that like he basically was like you know what that's part of it Hmm. that's part of this filmmaking process is me struggling to get the money i want and then still not even getting enough so that's why there isn't any like de-aging for flashback scenes okay and why some of the i loved that though it worked it ends up really in my opinion making it better yeah it's even better i'm so happy they didn't because even a slight like, in 30 years, The Irishman will still be a great movie, but it will be weird to watch. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. This movie will never be weird to watch. This movie is going to age like fucking the best wine right. you've ever had. Because you know there's I mean? no, like, special effects in any ways that would age terribly. You know what I mean? Like, the de-aging yeah, thing. Yeah, even when there's, like, moments of... There's moments where, like, there are shootouts in this movie, like, in a flashback, and you're almost like, this feels like an old Vietnam movie, like, from the 70s or something. The the way they're talking, like, get some! Right. It's just like, did this actually happen? And it's so clearly purposeful by the time you get to moments where they're shooting, and it's very well done special effects. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, oh, man, it... That dude is maybe my favorite filmmaker after that movie. Like, and I haven't even seen half of his movies. Right. And apparently they're all like that, where he just puts his all into the process of making it, not just into, you know. The the last thing I want to talk about uh, in regards to the movie, which I think is super uh, important to the whole experience of it, and also kind of relates to the episode we're about to talk about is the music and the score involved and the way it's like Dude, this sort of like remember how epic... you told me it's to look up a specific album marvin gay name <laughs> okay yeah it's cool. marvin gay <laughs> yeah and then the way it's used in that movie i am so glad you told me to listen to that album because going into that Mm-hmm. Just the first couple lyrics of a song hit you so much more when you yep. know what the song is. You know what I mean? But even the score, which was uh, composed by Terrence Blanchard? Blanchard? 
looks like it would be pronounced Blanchard. Um, Do you know uh, any other? Mo- that sounds like a much more familiar name than I thought it would be when you said it out loud. Is there other uh, he's, projects that he's a Spike guy? It looks like he's he's got gotcha. Uh, Black Klansman is like sort of the most popular one on his on his resume, but um, oh my god, even the like epic scale like adventure theme with these huge yeah. horn sections that like a little bit it i don't want to say they feel out of place because they don't they fit together so perfectly but it's not necessarily what you would expect for the tone of the film so far but then like when they're like ah i don't want to spoil some minor spoilers but it happens like halfway through the movie when they're like finding the treasure basically finding the goal whatever these swells of this music that are happening sound so epic like a lord of the rings film or something you know what i mean like yeah and it just works and adds to this adventure feeling of the whole movie and there's so many moments of that and in the flashbacks too especially is when i noticed it yes i was just gonna say like it, it, it like that moment ties the flashbacks into the modern like how they're responding to life and i love a movie that's not afraid to lean into a genre like that like it's it's not any it's you know you see the poster even the trailer and you're like it's going to be a war movie or a vietnam movie or whatever but Mm -hmm. there is absolutely no boundaries on the genre of the film throughout Mm -hmm. it does that so many times where it goes from being like Using just music too. Yep. A scene could that scene could have been completely different if there was no music at all. And right. That music. And he does made that it sometimes. Almost pulpy adventure. Like exactly. like when Paul is flipping out on the boat, and there's no music. Yep. You just watch Nothing. this tense scene progress, build, and unfold. Ooh, it's so good. We could talk about this for yeah. a whole episode. I suggest anyone hearing this right now watch that movie right now. You'll Absolutely. love it. And if you don't love it, you'll. Still love it. I that, no, you will. Sorry, <laughs> you will. But <laughs> just like a thirteen-year-old kid listening to this goes and watches that, it is, it is an adult movie. Oh, be ready for it's very rated. You R. know, but if you need a yeah. cool down from that movie and you need just like some good vibes, listen to any of the music from the episode of Avatar: The Last Airbender that we're about to talk about. Uh... Absolutely, because it's <laughs> segue. It's good and. <laughs> Speaking of Avatar, <laughs> well, welcome to the, the show that is now going to be coming at you regularly again, hopefully. Uh, this is a new lens show that uh, Gary and I started to talk about film and television that we liked as kids uh, through the new lens of adults and amateur filmmakers and growing human beings. Uh, and we have arrived at season two, episode two. The Cave of Two Lovers. <laughs> um, I think I referenced this episode in a in an earlier episode talking about... Oh, no. I That's right. I actually referenced it, our, it in our other podcast. Our D&D podcast, Legendary Four Not Adventures. Not to uh, shamelessly plug our D&D podcast, uh, L4 Adventures. Space Vampires. Space Vampires. But check it out. Um, anyway. But, yeah. Great episode. This is a really fascinating I'm so glad episode. we're... And for those of you listening, it has been a minute since we recorded. It's not just a minute since we're releasing this. So I got to say, it was a really nice episode to kind of dive back into Avatar oh, with. Man, I was a absolutely. little worried. I don't know why, but I had this slight worry it was going to be similar to The Great Divide. 
where I had mm. slight fonder memories than the experience would be. I was like, okay, I remember it being kind of a goofy episode. I hope it's not one of those. And then it was uh, even well, better we'll than I remembered. It. Even better yeah, than exactly. I remembered. I enjoyed exactly. it so much. Uh, it's a really simple episode. Basically, uh, the gang is all hanging out in a lake, taking a, a, a little bit of a break on their travels. And they are intercepted by this group of traveling musical nomads um, who tell them about this secret path that leads to Omashu. And at first they're apprehensive, but uh, then they're uh, convinced to go through the tunnels. There's this supposed curse uh, that's alluded to through these songs that the the band uh, plays. And they do decide to go through the tunnels and find out that the tunnels shift around and they are not necessarily going to be able to map out how to get through and they have to solve the mystery of how to get through this tunnel and make it to the other side. Concurrently, there's this uh, B plot line of Zuko and Iroh alone, you know, on their own for the first time in, you know, sort of exile and uh, Iroh drinks some <laughs> some bad tea and <laughs> gets a rash that needs immediate, immediate attention and they uh, make their way to an Earth Kingdom town, and they have this very uh, affecting interaction this night with these people who sort of take them in and uh, treat their wounds and give them a night uh, before they go on their way. And that's sort of all that happens in this episode. Uh, but it's it's just a... You know what? I was looking up the facts for this episode, directed by Lauren McMullen again. And no way. Absolutely makes sense because every time there is like an emotionally mature a and rich, rich, just like yes. fulfilling episode, yes. it's always Lauren. Man, man, um, that's cool. I she's rapidly becoming one of my favorite directors, and it's through not even knowing. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we're realizing that by just taking the time to see who directed these great episodes. I. Oh, that's so cool. I wish there was uh I wish there was more that we could point to that she's directed um but she she has directing credits and been like, you know, second unit director and animation department for some animated films and stuff like that, but uh I wish she, I I hope that she is able to be the head of more projects in the future because Yeah, Lauren, if by some crazy chance you happen to hear this we want to watch what you make, so uh, keep making shit, because <laughs> it's good. Keep making that good stuff. <laughs> we love it. We love you good stuff, Lauren. Oh, man. Um, I love seeing hair down Sokka. Yeah. You know, the, Is this the, I first, think it's the time first time, too? I think it's the first time. There's something him about him that's just like, I don't know. I love it, too. It's chill, and like he's, uh, it's kind of a goofy haircut, but in a cool way, you <laughs> yeah. know? It's like... Yeah. Um. In this scene too, you always talk about the opening shot, mm. and it's not like some others have been, but there's something cool about it that I thought about, and I was like, "That's definitely a thing." Did you notice that cool, like stone archway yeah. kind of in the background of? Dude, that's totally earthbent. It's like where they're, they're training by. Oh, that's a really good point. Yeah. You know, someone was probably uh walking by and like maybe the stream was too low and they saw that like 
Hmm. When the water was lower, there was earth in the way and it like created a dam. So they just bended it up and made <laughs> it the water able to go through. It seems or even someone was fighting with a waterbender in that area. Sure. I don't know. Yeah. Like, No, that's entirely It just possible. seems cool because there's no way that that dope archway is all natural well, unless it is from the water going you, through, uh, you know. Have you ever heard of Arches National Park in Utah? Okay, no. Is that totally there's, a thing that yeah, happens? Yeah, there's, yes. Well, maybe it's a reference to that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I do love that they are training. Like, they show Katara now in and charge. And she's good like, at it. And she's, she's good a great teacher. Showing him what to do. And we all. it's also a good way to work in, you know, the sto- the plot line of Aang's Aang crushing on her. When she like comes and helps him with his stance and he blushes a bit. But also the advice she's giving is like good advice. And it's cool to see them actually training and improving their skills and learning something very specific. That octopus move. Very cool. Which is, yes, very. that's like one of my favorite waterbending moves. Um, Speaking on the little crushing thing, Mm -hmm. this is one of those rare occasions where an episode of tv geared towards children handles child love and romance like super well yeah it doesn't feel it it doesn't feel like it's trying to be some adult like romance like right too big for these kids but it also doesn't feel like it's trying to shy away from the fact that he's totally gaga over her yeah. you know he loves her <laughs> right and it's it's cool i love you know when something is not afraid to be what it is you know yeah does that make sense absolutely i think it's important really because those are things that you know young people feel but it is so easy to mess it up and make it weird you know that like Mm -hmm. to to make the relationship so often when you see clips from old disney channel shows and nickelodeon shows it's just like ooh, that that (laughs) was handled really poorly yeah this is (laughs) but this is like revisiting it i was really happy to see that yeah you know it's it's just yeah. so natural, um, but oh, as soon as these, uh, I, I know he's supposed to be annoying. Like Sokka is annoyed by him. Somehow but he's singer, not to me. No, I, I love, love it him. so much. Every time he sings in this episode, it brings me so much joy. I don't know if you uh, looked up facts for this episode, but uh, do you know who voices Chong, the no, main I nomad? Don't. Who? D. Bradley Baker, the guy who does Appa and Momo and all of the animals on the show. You're kidding? No, me? it's D. Bradley Baker. What? Yeah, man, I always thought of him as the dude who can be anything, but he literally is also a great actor. Yeah. Like he can be. That's because that's one of my favorite roles. Oh. And actually, uh, one of the other people in the in the crew, uh, Moku, who actually there's, I love Moku. <laughs> several Moku words. <laughs> It's so funny. It's like, what do you know about it, Moku? <laughs> it's like they never like showed the introducing themselves phase. They just yeah, know his he's name. Just Moku but to like, everyone yeah. already. Um, but Moku is played by Derek Basco, who is uh, Dante Basco, who plays Zuko, his older brother. Oh, cool. Yeah, or younger brother. He's his brother, <laughs> which is he's cool. his brother. <laughs> yeah, they're twins. No, <laughs> um, that is really cool. Yeah, little little casting note in there. Um, can we talk about Chong is totally stoned. I, know, I just had to say exactly that. Exactly what I was just gonna say. You these were about to stoners. say it. Can we talk about how these is just Yeah, just like okay, they're Avatar World's hippies, right? Yeah. 
But also, he at multiple points is like, he says something and then Sokka's like, I said that. And he's like, oh, you did? (laughs) Well, anyway, it's like the dude has like a bad short-term memory. Mm -hmm. He's a musician. He's got like some some, uh, shaggy scruff, you know, like. Yeah. They're stoners. (laughs) And his name is Chong. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, Like, yeah, they should. Which, by the way, I think. It's official. Like I don't know if it's official, official, but in the trivia that we we look up sometimes, mm-hmm. it said that uh, he's named after Tommy Chong. Really? So yeah, it said that in like one of the oh, little. Uh, That's awesome. I forgot if it was in the synopsis or something, or in like the comments. But someone was like on the commentary for the Blu-ray, they reference, they say that Tommy Chong is one of their favorite. Uh, they're one of their childhood heroes, oh, so that's who he's named after. That's fantastic, like that. and. It makes sense when you think about it. I mean, they're it, even know? like laying down with Appa. I love Appa with braids and the with flowers. With braids, and he hair. loves it. And Appa, he loves yeah, it, too. He He's so, so happy. Um, and yeah, just this, uh, the notion that, the main notion that Chong is there to provide, which is like, you're worried too much about where you're going. Like, the journey is the, it's it's uh, it's a Taoist belief. Um, mm-hmm. the, the path is the destination. And that's what he's trying to reveal to them, which is like, it's super valuable at this moment where they're like really feeling the you know the stakes of their quest getting jacked yeah. up it's it's, to have and it's someone not come in and be like you gotta be able the to quest itself is yeah, part of it exactly yeah. but it's also funny how um he he even is like we should go do this and this and this and he names a few things that sound really awesome like a waterfall that creates an endless rainbow and yeah, all this and Sokka's right. just like we need to go to omashu like he Sokka is there, even though it's important for them all to realize that the journey is mm-hmm. almost as important as the destination. Sokka's also there to totally be like, yeah, we but the along. world's going to end. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think this is probably a good time to switch over to Zuko and Iroh. The introduction to them with that flower and he's looking at it and he's like, this is either... A leaf that creates the most delectable tea in the land, or a deadly poison. <laughs> and of course, you he know, takes that. Usually, risk. yeah. And usually, I wouldn't like watching this. I think I would be like, "Why would you do that?" But for some reason, the way he describes that tea, right? <laughs> I kind of was like, "Yeah, I would do it too." Because yeah. like the most, the most delectable tea. Like, what if it was the good one, and he just had to ex- got to experience that? You know, yeah. it's Iroh. He loves tea. That's like, yeah. I mean, that's like one of his main character traits to this point is dude loves tea. Um, <laughs> but he does uh drink it. I love Zuko coming back to find him <laughs> with his like spear, tiny fish, tiny <laughs> tiny fish on the end. Um. And then, yeah. How did he even get that on the end of the spear? You know, I feel like that's impressive. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. But, yeah, Iroh did drink it. It's covered in rash. And I love they're they're debating, like, okay, we need to get you some, like, medical attention. Do we go to the Earth Nation or the Fire Nation? If we go to the Earth Nation, they'll probably kill us if we're found out. If we're found out at the Fire Nation, they'll give us to Azula. Earth Nation it is. And it's like no question yeah, like at all. Yeah, they don't even discuss it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is like a funny which, joke, but also... But also... stakes. I was, to, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It really makes her uh, villainry even more opposing. Indeed. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, 
uh i love uh sokka we cut over to them and this is now when we find out about the curse of the cave basically mm-hmm. he says uh well not according to the curse and Sokka just stops that's I don't know why but that always makes me laugh so he just stops and everyone just kind of walks around him curse (laughs) yeah Yeah. it's just the poor bastard he just can't win in this episode (laughs) and then I love I love the guy uh oh that's right that makes I, I just remembered the rest of the song and then it's him like facing the tunnel. We and see his I. back, and it like echoes <laughs> and die. <laughs> um, but they're like, you'll be able to get through as long as you trust in love. And then we get these close-ups of Ang looking at Katara and just looking at the back of her head, just like her, <laughs> you know. And then her hair yep. waves in the breeze a little bit, like her little tassel-y thing, which is so distinctly <laughs> Katara, little... you know, like the thing that's being highlighted is the... And he just goes, I think we're going to be good. Um, it's just so sweet. It is. And Sokka's just, you know, <laughs> still just like, what? I don't know. Yeah. I love his his yeah. balance to this because Aang is swept up in the emotions of all of it because he's emotional but Sokka is just completely separated from everyone right now Mm -hmm. and I love it I don't know it (laughs) it creates some really funny moments throughout I love that the Fire Nation people (laughs) chasing them come to the edge of the (laughs) game and they're like we're not going in there it's cursed what haven't you heard the song (laughs) yeah you know the song secret tunnel because like up to this point you're wondering you know, this dude, this traveling group of uh, nomads, they're like nuts, right? Like, they just right. have these songs. But, like, no, it's like canon, yeah. you know? It's official. These are songs <laughs> of the land, you know? they're Yeah. Some of them, I, a lot of them, I think, Chong wrote. But I think a lot of them are just songs of the region, you know? like Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> they, they get trapped in this cave. And I love Sokka shows his leadership skills. He's like you know directing them with the torches because they're like we've got five torches <laughs> she lights <laughs> 10 hours <laughs> she lights them all it doesn't at once work if they're all lit right now and you know he stomps it out and he's he goes to like start making a map it's like he's taking charge because he's you know got distinct action points to like pursue and he's and his ideas are all actually like even just the map that is a really good idea like yeah as much as it's uh, maybe obvious, I don't know. I wouldn't have thought of it. And him just thinking that extra step is, especially when he's just in a group of stoners, mm-hmm. just like, that won't work like that. And she's just like, oh, oh right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love Iroh and, Iroh and Zuko do find this Earth Town, like, uh, healer person who can, like, rub these ointments. <laughs> and Iroh keeps itching, like, three times in this scene. He goes to, like, itch the itch himself. And, she and she keeps his swatting hand. his hand. Like, really hard. Not, like, vicious. Like, her <laughs> face is always just, like, pleasant. But she's just like, stop that. <laughs> she doesn't even say anything, you know? She just does it. I just, I love that. I like Zuko with his uh, short haircut, by the way. I yeah. think he looks oh, yeah, I was gonna so much out. more, um, like... I don't know what the word is, but there's just, like, a look about him that makes me want to just, like, give him a hug, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's, like, the, you can tell there's a little bit of a texture of that fuzzy, like, freshly shaved head. Yeah, um, exactly. Sort of thing. 
and it also provides humanity to him, you know, because he's had this sort of yeah before he traditional. Had almost, uh, it made him hairstyle. feel like some some uh, like out of reach. Uh, what's the word? Noble, right? Nobleman. I think almost. it's supposed you know, to like, be imposing, but I also think the head shave is a sign of banishment. Like I think. Because no one else mm-hmm. has their head shaved, and even in the flashback when he like speaks up in the throne room, he has hair. But the ponytail yeah. is like your this is what I'm interpreting from it. The ponytail is is something that everyone in the Fire Nation has. So it is an identifier that you belong to the Fire Nation, but the shaving of the rest of the hair is like you are an exiled Fire Nation person. And so to mm-hmm. be growing out the hair is not only like changing his look to help him hide but it's showing a, new a complete identity. new identity like completely detached from the fire nation and only just beginning because we only just have like the shape of his head in hair yeah. you know <laughs> but which is another thing i think that we can nod to the animators for absolutely. is making someone's head shape add an emotion to them mm. you know like if he had like <laughs> yeah. a widow's peak or something i right. don't know like no matter his the difference in hairline even yeah that's just great animation yeah uh, and iroh's beard too iroh's beard growing out it's those yep. subtle things as well yep uh <laughs> oh that's a, that's a bummer my mom always makes too much roasted duck where's the house <laughs> yeah. you know yeah, he's right. just like where is it <laughs> right he loves his roasted duck I love that. Um, so, do you want to talk about that dinner scene right now? Because yeah. that is, although it gets even heavier later, but yeah. right now, when they're at dinner, even just at dinner, they're talking about the tolls the war took. How mm-hmm. um, this Earth Kingdom family was re- a family of refugees. Yeah, and I don't know, just like it hits knowing that Zuko is pretty much just hearing what his nation causes. Probably you know? for the very first time. He's never yep. been in any scenario other than being the one invading the town. And it says so much that instead of being angered by it or wanting to argue with them, you can see that he relates. Yeah. Yes. You know. That's what hurts so much. Oof. He he understands immediately and it is affecting him it makes him sad and he's defiant to it like you can see him denying those feelings but you also Mm -hmm. see it hitting him yep and then she asks oh uh is your father off to war too and that long iroh even looks at him like what is he gonna say you know yeah oh wow that makes me just upset viscerally upset like this oh i'm getting goosebumps right now man yeah he just says yes (laughs) like oh yeah, Nothing he's. More to say. I'm not lying. He's fighting in the war. Mm-hmm. Oh man! So cut back to the cave and wolf bat. Fuck that. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, but no, <laughs> no wolf bat. I'm okay with platypus bear. I'm okay with this. Uh, it's supposed to be I think spooky. They've mentioned it now. Badger moles. That doesn't scare me too much, but wolf bat. <laughs> that's the most terrifying creature fought up in they're, the avatar i mean yeah, world they're yet. animated pretty freaky as well but like i don't know they're huge they're, they're big 
I don't mind them. I don't know. I, I feel like bats don't necessarily freak me out that much. I get why they freak people out, but it's just because they go out in the dark and they're dark. Yeah, you know? bats it's, are actually really it's cool. The myst- it's the mystery it. of them. You know, you can't see them and then they like fly at you and you're like, whoa. But it's like, they're just, they're fine. <laughs> you know, they just eat bugs. Um, but a wolf bat, I mean, that that's... It's, it's pretty freaky. I'm, it's, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not denying you know, what you're saying, but I don't necessarily. You'd probably compose yourself a lot better in this cave than I. Yeah, would. I'd. I'd be <laughs> like Chong, where he's just kind of like, "Whoa, wolf bats! What?" <laughs> you know. And Sokka's yeah. like, <laughs> Sokka's freaking. Yeah, I'm out. Sokka. <laughs> um, but uh, I love. Uh, they they cause this cave in, and Ang can't earth bend yet, so. He pushes them out of the way with airbending, which is the only Dude. thing he really can do. And then oh, this what a moment. slow motion shot of him jumping. And you can see this just determined look on his face. It's not even like, or like, oh, it's just determined. Just, I yep. need to save Katara. Just jumping to her and getting her out of the way. Just, It's a slight moment. It's it like reminds me of uh, it's so some Spider-Man. Good. Yeah, yeah. Something out of Spider-Man. It's so cool. Uh, and then <laughs> you don't even fully realize it until everything settles, but Sokka is just trapped yeah. with this group of nomads that he hates. <laughs> and it's and it's not even seriously like such a gold like idea to like have this slowly building relationship of him being annoyed by these people yeah. and then immediately being stuck with them. Yep. I love it so much. It's so good. And it's also entertaining because like the style that Chong is singing and the music, like the twangy, dong, dunk, dong, dunk, like, which is, uh, we did look up, it's a Gujang, supposedly, although I looked up uh, a couple videos of uh, Gujang being played and it doesn't sound exactly the same. So I'm not sure exactly what he's playing. Maybe it's like a saxophone situation where, There's you know, you could say sure. saxophone, right. but, you know, is it a there are like five or, of them. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, Maybe it's like a handheld Gujang. But the style of it is such that I feel like I totally understand. Like, it makes sense why it's, like, canonically annoying and Sokka hates it and hates them. But I like it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's weird. So it's, yeah. It's, it's funny, but not just, like, I like laughing at this guy. Right. It's actually appealing to listen appeal- to, too. So it's entertaining because it's like Sokka's annoyed and it makes sense but also it's not annoying to me so I'm not like oh man he's stuck with him I'm just like <laughs> he's stuck with him you know yeah exactly yeah, yeah. that's very well done I think I that's probably a directorial cho- like choices too you know Lauren yeah McMullen. you could easily have decided to make these characters actually annoying and then you'd relate more to Sokka but these scenes would be annoying right and she went the direction of making them charming so Sokka mm-hmm. is almost like, it's almost funny that he's annoyed to us, which is a whole nother layer that just gives Sokka another like level of, I like this guy now because right. he's annoyed by people who are funny and charming. So I like him because right. that's funny to, you know what I yeah, mean? Right. It's really, it's deep. Yeah. Oh man. Speaking of deep, then we get the real yep. killer scene um, with yep. Zuko. He's outside and it looks like he's just meditating you know yep which is this shot by the way is really beautifully animated with him sitting in the dark but then you can see like the light kind of pouring through the Mm -hmm. the 
three doorways and oh, yeah i i really love the lighting style of architecture oh, and just, i don't know like it gives the scene a very like serene like you're in this emotional moment right and the camera even i don't know why but the girl's name being song yeah affects me too huh. like it just makes this whole thing feel even more just like she's so good you know yeah. her name is song yeah. you know yeah i get that i don't know and she just her reaching out to his face and he doesn't like bat her away he slowly lifts his hand grabs hers and moves it away Mm -hmm. it's like a she is going slow enough to basically without words be asking if she can do that and he politely says no politely but still like you know not being vulnerable you know really exactly yeah from a place of holding a shield up but not doing it yes extremely rude way and she reveals she she says they've hurt you they've hurt me too and she shows the scars and he knows the pain of having scars permanently on his body especially on his face it is part of his identity when you see now. his like emotions change from being in this state of caught up in himself mm-hmm. he's caught up in himself yeah. in that moment to then having concern for someone else maybe for the first time in the whole show other than like a couple moments with iroh he felt wow or yeah. like that guy falling from the ladder sure. when he you know grabbed him but this is like the first time where he goes oh shit this is making me feel fucked up inside yeah you know what i mean it's empathy i don't instead know of just like a duty yes. to take care of others it's true yes like, in that opening face, of emotions yeah genuinely breaks my heart every yeah. time like I usually watch these episodes twice and I couldn't do it. <laughs> I couldn't watch this twice because yeah. I didn't want to. I feel so bad. And then it just makes what happens later even more impactful as a viewer of the show, mm-hmm. you know, which we'll get to in a second here. Yeah. Um, but first, we got to see Appa smash down a door <laughs> when he's just like yeah. doing the, the just, charging ball, <laughs> uh, stomping his foot thing. And they both look at each other and just get out of the way. And it also, like, he doesn't just break... The, that door just kind of goes... <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And he doesn't look shaken by it at all. That like, dude's got a strong head. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's like, yeah, I just did that. <laughs> <laughs> um, And then, oh, going into this tomb and seeing... Really cool, too. He's like... Uh, did you see that little trivia uh thing that um this, like, tomb and the... The story of the two lovers was kind of depicted in a way to nod to Egyptian hieroglyphics yeah. and Egyptian tombs. I It's so cool to me how many different cultural influences the show has. And it doesn't do any of them in like a... I don't know if it... I'm not the person to say this, I don't think. Mm-hmm. But f- from my own appreciation, I haven't noticed blatant like cultural appropriation. You know what yeah, I mean? It's... It feels like cultural uh integration appreciation appreciation (laughs) you know what i mean yeah yeah it stirs my inner drive to like do research on history world history yeah it's so cool uh little nugget in this scene starting when they get to the door i noticed and i wasn't sure and i looked it up and it is true there's a little And uh, that's a tune that will come up later in the show. It's Ooh, it's a song yeah, called Leaves right. from the Vine. And if you haven't watched the show before, just remember that because it will come up. 
Um, and if you have, sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry for doing that. Right now. Um, but then we get this other like cultural reference uh, influence of the flashback art style change that oh my god it looks and it's like so cool i tried to look it's up like i can't tell if it was more specific what culture was most specific to it looks like it's most like japanese uh, like traditional, traditional japanese, japanese paintings art paintings yeah yeah which yeah, is it's so beautiful it's the first time we've seen this art style on the show too because like they've used uh like that cool like sepia toned flashback right uh, hand-drawn thing yeah like Zuko's beach flashback we've mm-hmm. seen uh the great divide episode had actually some pretty cool flashback artwork things yeah. going on in there we've um I think that's it there might have been a couple other you know yeah. difference in artwork but this is the first time we've seen this and I think it's my favorite oh absolutely I love this artwork and the story is kind of a nod to Romeo that and classic Juliet. Romeo and Juliet yeah. story yeah it, I don't know that's um yeah, and we get this amazing backstory of the beginning of Earthbending, and that oh my god, Oma and this Shu, backstory... who founded Omashu, were the first Earthbenders, and they learned it from Badger Moles by trying to get to each other through these tunnels. Yeah, honestly, for me, the episode went from being like really, really cool and like a fun. I enjoy watching this way to like enriching within a matter of like 45 seconds. Yeah. It's just all of a sudden I'm like, oh my God, I now know the origin of earthbending. I know the origin of the city of Omashu and maybe even the origin of like love in this universe. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, right. Holy crap. <laughs> and uh, Katara is the one who has the idea, the connection in her mind to like, maybe we could kiss Aang fucks it up he's <laughs> just like i wouldn't want to kiss you <laughs> and he does it though in a total like that's kind of how i would respond oh, if i were angry absolutely but, you know it's not it's not like grossed out he was trying to be on her side about it right. trying to make her see that exactly. you know exactly it's cool um okay we see the badger moles i think these badger moles are way cooler than i thought they were gonna be because mostly just because they're giant <laughs> yeah which is just awesome and the fact that they are music lovers. Yes. He <laughs> plucks the string and it just... <laughs> and then what's his name song? Okay, up until this point, it's been a lot of that... Boring, ding, 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 yeah. boring, ding, 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 ding. But then here, he just goes... It's so good. Yeah. Oh, And then the sweet, sweet scene. It's the first like real moment of connection in this way for... Ang and Katara because they're alone. When have they been like as completely alone as they are here? And also with the influences of like they're in the cave of two lovers, you know? Yeah, alone. now that you're saying that, like the last two times they've been alone together have been huge growing moments for their relationship. Mm-hmm. Like when she tells Ang about the Avatar state scaring her, right? Them being alone together is like, oh, this is a big deal. Yeah. And then they have this, uh, they like go through with the idea of, of, because the light's running out, they've got no other choice to like, why not give it a shot? And they, they do, I mean, we don't see it. They go come together and then the light fades out, but we assume yeah, it happens. Do they kiss? Ah, I, I think it's supposed to be like, oh, uh, did they? They do. Come on. And I the think way they do and they just don't talk about and it. And the way you know? he's like responding to it as well when it does light up and they're like, oh, they glow in the dark. That's how they found their way through. They just t- put their lights out. Um, after they realize that, Aang turns to her and goes, so 
Um, and she goes, let's go, and just runs away. And it's, like, yeah. very clear that he was Something about to just be happened, like, he wants so to talk what's about. up with this? Like, what? But We just kissed. Yeah. Um, they do get out, and I do love the way they talk about it once they're out, which is that they don't really. <laughs> I just love that you see Aang accept that it can just be what it what it was you know because it was it wasn't any bigger than that and he realizes that and it's it's a nice this like adventure with Katara was fulfilling enough for him because he he really loves her so yeah. like being able to just spend time with her I think he's now finally like accepting is fulfilling especially when they're on this journey you yeah. know like they've got a lot on their minds yep uh, also the most endearing moment in like, <laughs> I don't know, we exaggerate like this all the time, but maybe the entire show when <laughs> Momo and Appa were separated this whole time and Momo yeah. races up to him and Appa like and Appa lays just, down like, gets to down. To him. Yeah. Oh, oh, I love that so much. Um, and then they, Katara goes to, uh, uh, Moku and is like, are you coming with us to Omashu? And he just goes, Nope. Yeah, and nope. they walk away okay. <laughs> singing this song and they bring in these like strings underneath the just plucky song to like really yeah. add to the emotion. And you see Aang like look at Katara and like feel weird and then like consider it and just smile and just accept. Katara asks know. right before those guys leave. Did, maybe you already what? were saying this <laughs> briefly, but Katara being like, Sokka, why is your forehead all red? Oh, yeah. And then what's his name saying something <laughs> stupid and Sokka <laughs> smacking himself on the forehead. That's one of my favorite <laughs> jokes. Funny. Um, before we finish this, I want to quick cut back to, because mm. we didn't finish Zuko's little plot yep. line. Yep. And it's very simple, so it'll be quick. But the fact that when they leave, Zuko decides to steal her mm-hmm. as described for horsey thingy her bo- bird <laughs> yeah. horse thing it's like an ostrich um, horse or something yeah yeah and then iroh being like she just showed you great kindness but then still going along with it kind of which i'm always a little bit like come on iroh you should have fought a little harder yeah. but at the same time he's there to support zuko even if that means you know and down also, the wrong path he shows he shows him that it's the wrong path they have you know? nothing so like literally it would be nice to have this <laughs> this thing and then and we he does see push song back, notice it yeah yeah and she doesn't even do anything she just closes the window oh i don't know like it's for some reason you know when you're watching it, you're almost like oh is she gonna say something mm-hmm. to her mom or run after them and she just lets it be and it's so heartbreaking because she she in that moment is un- has enough sympathy for them right that she's willing to just like lose that for them to be able to have it even though they took it in the the wrong way it's heartbreaking because her seeing them doing that and not saying anything is the last like great kindness that they do which zuko kind of says to like turn it back on him and like they're gonna do us another kindness but it's like she does she could run out and like try and track him down or tell somebody but she sees the hurt in zuko that is only just rising to enough to the surface to be visible now and recognizes it from the hurt she's undergone and decides to just let him take it, even though, fuck, why'd he do that? And then, another just heartbreaking thing, we get to Omashu, it's taken over by the Fire Nation! <laughs> it is sometimes a little funny, <laughs> that Fire Nation. Yeah, because it's like, god damn it, it's back, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, yeah, no, it's a very good, 
ending to the episode because this whole episode is about hope and love and even on Zuko's side it's a sad story but usually I feel like when you see Zuko doing something it's still to teach you know it's a learning lesson so you almost think this episode's gonna end with Zuko learning something and the gang learning something Mm -hmm. but it literally ends with Zuko forcing that side of him out still he's not ready for it yet so he like stealing that thing I think he's doing that as like a way to force himself back into that state Mm -hmm. you know what I mean he wants to be that person and then we cut to the gang and they're just when they've learned something they're forced back into the reality of the situation Mm -hmm. like the fire nation is taking over the world it's not just stopped until Aang learns everything it's continuing to happen Mm -hmm. meaning the things that they're expecting to be able to do easily are going to get harder and harder to do. Yeah. Great episode. You know what's going to be hard to choose? What what the which one of these is the kid moment of the week, man? <laughs> which oh, one? Oh, wow. I I don't know. There's so many good moments in this episode. Wow. I think for me it's between two things. Hmm. Either Sokka just standing there and everyone walking by mm. and going, "Curse!" <laughs> yeah. Or, why is your forehead all red? Yeah. I don't know. Ooh. But then Momo talking to Appa isn't necessarily a funny kid moment, but it feels like a kid moment that, you know, a moment that only works on a kid's show, Mm -hmm. but it's the most satisfying moment that is that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That might be it. That might be. Yeah, that that might have to be it. Or just better Ah, uh, it's got to be one of the songs, man. It's got to be yeah. the uh ah, I forget what the next couple lines are, but then it's secret tunnel <laughs> in the mountain. Okay. I think that's it for me, but not just because of the song, but also the lady and man that dance. Yeah. They just like <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they, they do these like, like hippie dances. Around. Yeah. And I love that. It really yeah. cracks me up. Cause it, especially because the, the woman who dances, when she decides to do it, it's like random. He's just like in the middle of starting it. And then she just gets up and starts dancing in the middle of like the first verse. Yeah. It's so funny. Oh, man. So good. So good. Man, yeah. What a refreshing So episode. maybe just... How about Chong is <laughs> Kid Moment Chong of the Week. Chong is Kid Moment of the Week. Yeah, there you go. Uh, good job, D. Bradley Baker. What the hell? Why are you so talented? Um, yeah, well, thanks for tuning into this one. Thanks for bearing with us for the past, like, you know, month and a half of, as things have been weird. But, uh, yeah, we're going to be back on to a – are we committing back to two episodes yeah, a week? Yeah, I think I could if yeah, you can. Yeah, I can. Um, you're hearing it live, you're, folks. You're hearing we're the deciding. decision being made in real time. <laughs> um, yeah, we're uh, – so you can look forward to that. If that's not enough for you, you can also look at uh, Legendary 4 Adventures, uh, the other podcast we have going on, Actual Play D&D. Space Vampires. Space Vampires. Uh, Sam does a great job um, coming up with cool stuff to do for us. He's a good DM, and he's also going to be helping me out edit, so those are going to be um probably going up in quality so i can focus on you know some more music stuff and sound effect stuff and i think yeah it's just gonna continue to improve just like this podcast thanks for everybody sticking with us yeah have a good one out there well i'm calvin and i'm gary this has been a new lens <laughs>